Welcome to The Productivity Show, the agent efficiency podcast dedicated to helping you make the most of your time, attention, energy, and focus. In this episode, we welcome special guest Brandon Wentland to the podcast to talk about how he's successfully implemented the 12-week year planning framework. Brandon recently created a module for the dojo on how to implement the 12-week year effectively, and it's been very well received because in addition to the awesome videos that Brandon created, he also included a bunch of different tools and aids to help you implement the 12-week year in your own life. So in this episode, we're going to dive deep into what the 12-week year really is, the problems it aims to solve, and tips for applying the solutions it offers so that you can implement it effectively and take massive action on your goals. You can find links to everything that we discuss in the show notes by going to theproductivityshow.com slash 138. And now, on with the show. I'm really excited about today's episode as 12-week planning, I personally feel, is one of those things that can be revolutionary if you stick with it long enough to get the results that you're looking for. And I'm really excited about today's guest, which is Brandon Wentland, creator of the killer 12-week year 2.0 module that was released not too long ago to members of the dojo. Brandon's been a dojo member since August, and the 12-week year module is actually the second module we published from Brandon. Based on the feedback, it definitely won't be the last. So Brandon, welcome to The Productivity Show. Thanks, Mike. Happy to be here. Awesome. So why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. So... I am a fellow productivity geek. Um, this is what gets me excited and, and jazzed up. I'm always looking for ways to to do more, to focus on what's better. And I guess, you know, to tell, tell you a little bit about my professional experience, I started a company five years ago called Optimal. And Optimal is an internet marketing company. We focus on growth hacking and growth marketing specifically. Um, so we do all, all sorts of different stuff, kind of hits that optimization, kind of continuous improvement stuff that I really enjoy. I get to actually do with clients. So that's what I do professionally. And then obviously do some stuff with agent efficiency and, and just really love this, this space. And um, yeah, that's a little bit about myself. Yeah. And one of the things that I, I really like about hanging out with you, Brandon, because you're also a friend of mine and a, a mastermind buddy, is that you take the stuff that we tend to talk about in the productivity space and you apply it at a company level, which I think is just super cool. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about this particular topic and we'll get into some of your experience in implementing this because I know you've done it pretty successfully and you've created a bunch of tools and things that go along with the 12 week year module that's been released to the dojo. But uh, why don't you introduce us for those who aren't familiar to this whole 12 week year concept? Yeah, definitely. Well, to, to kind of segue from the optimal, uh, my experience with Optimal and how that actually led here, I think it's interesting how I actually found the 12-week year. So I kind of went on this pilgrimage with Optimal to to just get better at strategy. How could we scale and successfully, you know, sustainably do good strategy for our clients? And, you know, this is kind of something I've been thinking about, honestly, for a couple of years. And that kind of led me to this realization that, you know, having a great idea is, is, is wonderful, but it's really the execution that really, really matters. And I started studying companies that really executed on kind of an elite level. And I found this concept called OKRs, which if you're not familiar with it, stands for Objectives and Key Results. And this is a concept that was created by Intel. It was popularized by Google. And I think the really interesting thing is that a lot of people who left Google, actually ex-Googlers, so to speak, they use this at the companies that they start. 
And that kind of segues into the 12-week year because basically OKRs are really kind of like a business version of the 12-week year. And it's the concept is pretty simple. You know, an OKR, they called it, you know, it's a quarter, but a 12-week year is basically a quarter. And so it's just a smaller time box. You're not looking at a full year. You're looking at just 12 weeks and you're focusing on a small amount of goals. So just two to three things, two ambitious goals, two to three and kind of destinations that you want to hit. And the secret sauce to both OKRs and the 12-week year is the key results. It's like actually kind of keeping score or measuring. So the problem with a lot of annual goals is that people set these goals. And of course, that's just too long of a time frame. That's kind of problem number one. Problem number two is they're aspirational. They don't tell you how to do what you need to do. And so key results actually tell you if you're you know, keeping score, are you moving forward? Are you doing the things that you need to do to be successful here? And so that's actually how I found found the 12-week year concept because I basically had studied OKRs for about six months, implemented them um, at Optimal, and then got this book and you kind of was reading the back and it kind of the light bulb went off. I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is an OKR for yourself, which I think is just brilliant because I think companies that use the OKR model are incredibly successful. And I think individuals that apply kind of the personal version, the 12-week year will be equally successful personally. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of, a lot of flexibility in the 12-week year framework, and you can apply this either personally or professionally. And in fact, that's one of the things, this was my first quarter implementing it. And one of the things where I kind of failed at this was I had some areas of emphasis that kind of shifted. And it turned out that a personal goal that I really wanted to take action on at the beginning of the year kind of got put to the back burner for a couple of reasons. And a professional goal, which was a course that we've been building at Asian Efficiency, that kind of became that kind of took its place. But the framework is there. And I think what you were talking about, the quarterly planning, that's Mm -hmm. so, so important. Uh, That's one thing that we started doing at Asian Efficiency not too long ago. And we started using these worksheets, which were part of uh, the book Scaling Up, I believe by Vern Harnish. Uh, It's a Mm -hmm. newer version of the Rockefeller Habits. And it just kind of forces you into that mindset where you're not trying to think about the entire year. You're just trying to think about the next 12 weeks, the next three months. And doing that, it's amazing what we've been able to accomplish in the last couple of quarters that we've actually implemented this. And uh, what I really like about this is that with a 12-week year, you don't have to go through the whole organizational framework that Scaling Up presents. You don't have to have a whole bunch of stuff in a big organization to, to support these things. You don't have to have a lot of these uh, these. You don't have to have all the numbers figured out and all the financials. You can still implement this even on a personal level. Yeah. So you had you have some stuff in here about the, the, the formula. Why don't you take us through some of that stuff and maybe how you've applied this? Yeah, for sure. Um, just, just to add to what you're just talking about real quick, I think, that's, I think that's one of the really beautiful things about this. It's kind of an agile method. You're not locked into a long-term plan. You can really be fluid with the changes of life because so much can change even in a 12-week time frame. Yep, ab- absolutely. And you have to be willing to adapt your plans, which is one of the things that I'm, I'm learning. I, I tend to put something down and then I, I try to stick with that and al- yeah. almost to the, my detriment sometimes where I have to be okay just letting some things go. And that's kind of the case with this, this last, uh, this last uh, quarter one planning for 2017 as we're recording this. But, uh, but yeah, so... Why don't you talk us through the uh, the formula, starting with the vision and kind of going sure. from there? Yeah, so we're going to get into things a little bit deeper, but just to kind of give you kind of a one pass through from a very high level before we do that. 
So the book really emphasizes vision to a huge extent. Um, this is something I think that's probably not news to anyone of what a vision statement is, but really getting into why this is so linchpin to this whole process and seeing it as more than just fluff, that it's really this central thing that we create things twice, first in our mind and then in the real world. And you can't really achieve what you want to achieve until you actually kind of work through that process. So that's really a big part of the book. Um, of course, the, uh, it kind of comes from the name itself is to focus on only 12 weeks. 12 weeks seems to be this period of time that's long enough that you can get something done, but short enough that if the worst happens, like you were just talking about, you can kind of reset, reboot, um, things, you know, you have a little bit more control over um, just 12 weeks. And then underneath that 12 weeks, you're only going to be focusing on just a couple things. You know, we had you know, in the mastermind group that we're in, I think we have one person that's just doing one thing and that's totally fine. I think when you talk to people about their annual plans, you know, be prepared for a list that's going to be 10, 15, sometimes even more. And it's just kind of overwhelming. How do you even begin to start that? Here, it's just much more approachable. You don't even really care about what happens after week 12. It's just, you're just focused on kind of what's in front of you and, and just attainable things. I was just going to say that the the vision, obviously, like you're talking about, that's going to drive everything else. But what's really great about this 12-week year format, and we're going to get into this later on in the, the outline, I know, but uh, you break it down to the point where it's really, really easy to take action on it. And, and actually in the, the book, The 12-Week Year, they talk about the three benefits of 12-week planning. And number one is that it's more predictable because the farther into the future you go, the less predictability you have. If you're going to look at an entire year, there's a lot that can happen in that 12-month period. But if you were to look at just the quarter, those 12 weeks for the most part, uh, that's going to go pretty much uh, according to plan, or at least if it's going to deviate, it's not going to deviate to the degree that your entire year would. So that's something that's going to make 12-week planning uh, easier to execute on. And then also, because you're looking at a smaller uh, a smaller time frame, it's more focused. You have less objectives that you're trying to spread out your attention between less things that you have to constantly be checking in on. So mm -hmm. you're only looking at a couple things. And that structure, I think, is what really provides the support to follow through and take massive action on your goals. Yeah, and that's totally it. It's a system. And it's a, it's actually a fairly simple system, you know, starting with vision, only focusing on 12 weeks, only having a couple things that you're working on, creating a plan. So how are you going to get there? And like you said, this, this you know, habits and routines and rituals kind of fits into that as well. Keeping score is really important. It's accountability to yourself. It tells, it's kind of your connection to reality. Are you actually moving forward? And then accountability, which I think we can hit on a, the importance of that towards the end of this little bit more. Yeah, definitely. And also keeping score, I just want to call out one of the resources that you included in the 12 week year uh, 2.0 dojo module that you created was this spreadsheet, which after you've broken down your two to three objectives and you've identified, and we'll get into all the details here in a little bit, but you've identified the things that you have to do weekly and then the things you have to do daily. Uh, you created a spreadsheet that actually you just have to mark whether you did what you said you were going to do or not. And then it actually gave you a report card, so to speak, <laughs> of how well you're doing, which I think yeah. is really, really cool. And uh, a lot of Dojo members have commented on the resources and said that that's, that's really helpful. Yeah. Uh, so why don't you talk to us a little bit about the problem that we're trying to solve here specifically? We touched on this a little bit, but why do we not want to plan for the year? It, from a high level, it seems like, well, couldn't you just buckle down and make it happen? Yeah, I think that it's it's interesting. So, you know, this this topic, I guess we're kind of a little bit further away to, from New Year's than when we first started kind of getting into this a little bit more initially with our mastermind group. But what's interesting is you start to talk to people about 
New Year's resolutions. And there's there's two types of people. There's people who hate them or there's people that love them. Uh, I was talking to my father-in-law and he, he is a big kind of New Year's resolution person. And he's like, nope, I'm absolutely not going to do that. They, they just don't work. And it's really unfortunate because this, you know, you kind of get this excitement, this fresh feeling of like a new year, a new beginning. And you just honestly, people just are not successful with that. And, you know, the thing is planning is still important, but planning for a year is just, it just seems to be just, you know, just too much time. I think that's the biggest thing is the distance. You know, you get a lot of excitement in the early part of the year, you kind of coast. And then if you actually look at it, most people get most of their stuff done in that last kind of part of the year as they're kind of rushing to get everything done. Well, what if you could take that same kind of diligent um, productivity and apply it to your whole year? And maybe you can pace yourself a little bit more. Um, that, that's another concept. I, I don't know if they really hit that hard in the book, but, you know, it's life is more of a marathon than it is a sprint. And this can help you kind of create a, a healthy cadence and a healthy rhythm um, to everything. So I think that's key. I, I totally agree. And one thing that is worth calling out here, though, is that it can be a little bit counterintuitive because you're talking about it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. Uh, when you do your 12-week year planning, though, it's impossible to touch on all the different areas of your life. And so the key principle here is a concept known as intentional imbalance, they call it in the book, where you're going to focus on the two or three things that are most important. And then next quarter, you're going to be shifting your focus and you're going to be focusing on some different things. And that's a really important concept because you can't just try to move everything forward. You have to be able to focus on just those couple objectives in order to make any meaningful progress on those. And it's kind of this juggling act, but instead of doing it on a daily basis, which is what happened if you're thinking more long-term planning, you're free to focus on just these two to three things for this 12-week period. And then after that, you can reevaluate and you can say, well, these are the things over here that I should focus on now. I need to bring up these particular areas of my life. In fact, one of the quotes that I wrote down from the book was by Jack Welch. He says, there's no such thing as work-life balance. There are work-life choices and you make them and they have consequences. And that's a really key idea to this whole 12-week year concept is that you're going to intentionally be making these choices about which things to focus on. And also by choosing those things, you're also choosing the things that you're going to neglect. Yeah. I think that's, that's key. And honestly, that's, I think that's good news to everybody because you know, that I think that's a fallacy, this work-life balance, and it's just not possible. And I think one of the things that we get into the module more here is we kind of map out your whole life and each of the different areas of your life and finding where you have the most tension and most discomfort and making that your kind of your intentional goal for the next quarter. And so I think you can get, it's a really kind of great place to be, you know, kind of get good situational awareness on, you know, where do you want to, where do you want to make headway in your life? And then using this system to kind of drive forward in that area. Yeah, exactly. Uh, another quote that I really like, like from the book, which kind of is along the same lines, is that each day is an opportunity to either make progress on your vision or tread water. <laughs> yeah. And I think that if you try to if you try to maintain all the different areas of your life, so for example, at Asian Efficiency, we teach the wheel of life concept, and there's eight different areas that you have to try to maintain. If you try to do all of those within one 12-week year period or even an entire year if you're still doing annual planning, you're going to be stuck treading water. But when you say, you know what, I'm doing pretty good in, let's just say, the health and fitness category, but I need to really improve in the personal growth category. And you just focus your 12-week year planning on two or three objectives and, and they're in, in alignment with that personal growth. What's going to happen is that that area is going to be bolstered 
And maybe the health and fitness one, you know, if you were to rate that on a scale from one to 10, you're at a nine right now, maybe at the end of quarter two, uh, you're, you're at an eight. Okay. But, uh, in my experience, what I've seen is that by paying attention to the areas that have the greatest need, that's kind of like investing your, uh, your energy, your attention, your focus, your willpower in the area that's going to provide the greatest return. It seems to me that if you were to invest that time, attention, and energy in an area that needs a lot of help versus an area that you're doing pretty well in the same amount of time, you're going to see much bigger returns in the area that, that needs the help. Would you agree? Yeah, I, th- I totally, totally agree with that. I think the really neat thing is that you're the one that's kind of in control of where you get to focus. I think you can get overwhelmed by life where I'm like, I'm not doing good here. I'm not doing good here. I'm not doing good here. This is a totally different approach where it's like, you know what? It's kind of, there's a great book kind of procrastinate on purpose that kind of gets into this mindset as well. It's like, you're the one who's saying this is good, but, but not right now. And I think that that really changes the paradigm of, of this quite a bit. Yeah, definitely. All right. So uh, why don't you talk us through the solution here in a little bit more detail? Uh, we've talked about why planning for the year and is not effective. It's not going to help you hit your goals. So uh, mm-hmm. we're on board now. We want to start doing these this 12-week year planning, these 12-week sprints, which are going to allow us to laser focus on our projects, make significant progress on them. How specifically should we do that? Yeah, sure. Well, I think the first thing that is important to keep in mind is that this stuff is super simple. You know, I think we can overcomplicate this to a huge extent. It's really just at its bare essentials. You know, if this could be summarized on a single page, it's just, you know, break, only focus on 12 weeks. So we kind of went into, we went kind of deep on that topic already. Um, The next is you need to kind of select two to three goals. And two to three seems to be kind of this approachable number. They recommend really not going beyond that two to three mark. Now, what happens is when you combine these two things together, it creates this huge sense of urgency. So there's one of my favorite you know, sayings is that Parkinson's law, that work expands to fill the time that's available for its completion. That saying, that's just so true in life. And when you, when you create that kind of that little bit of tension, and it's not, you know, it's just kind of good, healthy tension, it helps you get more done consistently over the long haul. And so, um, again, you're going to try to create a plan underneath each of these goals. So I think it's one of the things that, for my personal plan, I really tried to focus on is habits in rituals, in routines. I think these are kind of the, the cheat code, if you will, of getting things done. So, you know, if one of the one of the things I really wanted to be able to do is take off a full month, uh, we have uh, our next child is expected here soon. You know, what could I do on a daily basis or a weekly basis to kind of just be in the, just every single week kind of just chip away at that. And, you know, just creating the habits around that is really important. So that's kind of one part, what habits and routines are you gonna do on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis? And try to put a lot of energy in those because those I think people could skip over and that's that's important. And then the next is, you know, what kind of major milestones do you need to complete and what date you need to complete those? So kind of create that plan. I'm kind of skipping ahead a little bit here, but one of the resources is this really great uh, calendar. I'm having a hard time finding it, but I'll, we'll hit it later in. But it's like a short kind of concise version of a year on a single piece of paper and you can kind of just easily kind of plot out, okay, I think I can get this done during this time frame. And you, you create that plan at the beginning of those 12 weeks. Um, and again, kind of just using habits and uh, your plan, just going to continue working the plan during that 12-week period of time. So if you mentioned the two to three different uh, objectives, do you have any guidance on on which ones to select? It seems, you know, I've, I've only implemented this myself 
uh, just this, this last quarter. And I think that there might be a tendency here to either focus on things that are too simple or that are too hard. And I think that the authors might say that if you pick something that you think is too hard, you'll probably amaze yourself and you might get it done anyways. But do you have any tips or suggestions on how to select those two to three objectives? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really, you know, that's like part of, part of the book, honestly, I don't think they get into as much. And that's one of the areas that I focus on in the module more is how do you, you know, how do you even pick these two or three things? I think when it comes to picking things on their difficulty, I think once you get a couple of these 12 week years finished and under your belt, you're going to know how to size the next one. So I think if you're starting your big, your first one, just know you might kind of swing and miss a little bit and that's fine. Just recalibrate for the next one. Uh, I think that's totally fine. Uh, to do. So I think just experience is going to help you determine what can I reasonably get done. If you know you're going to have, you know, for me next quarter, we have a new member of the family being added. I'm probably going to tone it down a little bit. Um, you know, just little things like that, I think can really help out. When it comes to actually picking like the the category, um, there's a really great book from Alex Vermeer. It was really popular kind of around the beginning of the year. And he's he's kind of mapped out all these different areas of your life and different prompts to ask yourself. And then it kind of goes back to that last question is where do you feel the most discomfort? You know, is it professionally, you know, financially, are you, are you on a budget? And is, is that something you want to kind of figure out this next quarter? Um, is it physical? Is it relationships? You know, where is that? And I think it's important too, to, to pick non-work related ones can be just as important. Um, we had someone in our, in our group was like, I, in our mastermind group who just works too much. And he's like, you know, I don't want to set another thing for me to do. And then what he needed was to actually to kind of disconnect. And, and that was actually one of the things that he did. So I think the stepping back and kind of analyzing your life and, and figuring out where you have the most tension can help drive that decision-making process quite a bit. I like that a lot. One of the things that my dad always told me is that when changes or when pain is sufficient, change will come. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, I think that's a great, a great tip is to just kind of start with uh, where are the, what are the biggest pain points? Uh, and then alleviating those before you move on to some of the other things. Um, so let's say you've you picked out your two to three objectives and you completely fail on one of these. I liked one of the other quotes that you put in the outline here is that everyone has a plan till they get punched in the mouth by Mike Tyson. <laughs> <laughs> so don't be don't be afraid to uh, to course correct. Um, but let's just say you know we're, we're going to implement this and we've got our two to three objectives then what is the next step? What do we do from there? Okay. So you've, you've kind of identified what you're going to do. You've broken those down into habits, routines, rituals. You've set some, some kind of hard deadlines for some of the milestones that you need to get done. Then what you do is you take, so that's your 12 week plan. Then what you do is you start every week with your weekly review. So this is, you know, if you're into GTD, this kind of fits right in with that, with that mindset. So basically looking at that 12 week plan, you just kind of for the next week, think about, okay, what milestones are coming up? What habits and routines do I need to hit this next week? And weave those into your weekly plan. So you kind of you kind of break these down into smaller and smaller pieces. So you got 12 week, then you have your week, and then you have your day. So you kind of just, you basically run your day, you run your week by the 12 week plan. Okay. So when I did this for myself, what I did is I actually set specific deadlines for week five. I'm going to have this accomplished week seven, I'm going to have this accomplished. 
like I said, I think you've implemented this a little bit more successfully than I have, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but would you mind sharing maybe some specifics from uh, your 12-week plan? You can leave out some details, but just to kind of give people an idea of, okay, I've got my objective. Now, how do I actually break that down into my weekly milestones and then the daily habits that are going to produce the results? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So there's, so I'll use the the one I've mentioned already. So I wanted to you know, since I started Optimal, I have, haven't taken a huge amount of time off. And for the, the, the birth of our next child, I wanted to take kind of an extended period of time off. And so that was my main, that was my main objective uh, for this beginning of this year. And some of the habits I had is I kept a log of anything I did on a daily basis. I felt that I could delegate to someone else. Um, I just always had that open. I checked it every day, ended the day with it. So I, I wanted to just get, you know, as those situations came up, wanted to build that list bigger and bigger. So it was one kind of habit. Another was I was going to spend at least an hour doing training one-on-one with someone on the team. So it was another habit. Uh, one of the milestones that I had was I wanted to mind map the what I do, you know, areas of responsibility for me personally, and then identify the areas that I could delegate completely or even temporarily while I was gone um, to kind of map that all out. And then I had some more specific kind of milestones as as the dates have been approaching here where I was kind of offboarding major responsibilities were transitioning at certain points. Um, so that was how I kind of took this big goal, you know, and broke it down into a 12 week year. Okay, cool. So let me just kind of make sure that I'm wrapping my head around this. So, so your, your goal is I want to be able to take a month off when baby is born. So in order for that to happen, I need to make sure as president of optimal, putting myself in your shoes, that everything that I do can be done by somebody else. And at the beginning of the 12-week year period, maybe that's not the case. So very first thing I've got to do is I've got to uh, mind map all my areas of responsibility. So that might be like a weekly objective. Maybe if you're doing 12-week year planning, that's you know a week one objective to have that mind map done. And then the daily habits that are going to help you do that are going to be journaling the, the things that... Uh, you actually do, and then using those to flesh out that mind map and then consistently training people on your team. So that would be considered a habit as well, even if it's not an everyday type of thing to do what you traditionally have done so that they can do it when you are not at work. Exactly. Yeah. I guess the biggest, you know, to sum it up, I had to get awareness to what I was, that I could kind of get off my plate. And so those that that helped out. I also was um, time tracking and analyzing my my time on a weekly basis to kind of figure out okay where's where am I where's my time going because I think that when you're in the mix of it you kind of lose that perspective and then then a strategy you know to to get it to get things delegated properly. Yeah, and and I think that you've done a real good job of explaining the importance of the the vision. So maybe you can talk to us a little bit here about some of the the gaps in the book and and kind of what you've done to uh, to reconcile that as you implement this in your in your life both personally and professionally yeah i think this is definitely a book you can kind of grab read and, and immediately get value out of this book but there was a couple things that kind of slowed me down a little bit the first was uh, we had talked about this a little bit is the importance of vision and i and i think that everyone understands what vision is and the importance of vision it's you know it's not like you're you know, teaching you something new here. I just think it's the importance of vision. The delivery of it that in the book is just really, really incredible. It just opened my eyes to how important this is. You know, I kind of saw this as fluff. And I think it's interesting. 
kind of early in my career, I've had a lot of emphasis on this and I've had some successes in, in, in moving th- you know, through my progression in my career. And I kind of forgot how important that was. So it was kind of eye-opening to come back. The gap though, is that he doesn't really tell you how to create a vision statement. And if you go to Google and you type in how to find a vision, how to create a vision statement, there's, you know, there's the resources out there are not really that great. A lot of them are not applicable. A lot of them are applicable to like a business. And so that was one of the, one of the first things is how do you actually kind of create uh, a vision statement? There's lots of, you know, there's no perfect way to do this, but I wanted some direction, um, you know, on how to do this. So I did a lot of research. Uh, it kind of boils down to a couple different areas. You either, you know, kind of create like a narrative style um, vision statement, which is kind of like uh, you're in five years from now, you wake up, you know, what is, what temperature is it? What is it? What kind of smells do you, do, do you smell and who's with you? And it's kind of like this kind of very strong kind of narrative style. Um, that's really popular. I've seen people do um, kind of visual uh, boards where they'll kind of put pictures of things they'd like to acquire or where they would like to live, the type of things and lifestyle that they really desire. Um, and some people, this is kind of the direction I went to just have like a very simple bulleted list. It's just kind of the concise parts of it. So I think, you know, this could be an area that, you know, it's important. You could probably overthink it and abandon it, but I think it's important to really put emphasis on that, that vision and create a compelling vision because that drives everything that helps you determine the areas of your life that you need to focus in. And when you set your goals in alignment with your vision, there's just a lot of momentum there that, that's going to get you through the trials and the, and the tough times that are good, just going to happen. I like that. So have you, are you familiar with like the, the six different horizons, which is taught by David Allen as part of the, the getting things done methodology? I am. And I embarrassed to say, I don't remember them. <laughs> well, that's, that's okay. I but mean, I'm basically familiar with the concept. Basically the, the ground level is all of the things that you have to do immediately. And then you've got the, the 10,000 foot level. That's where you're looking at bigger projects and then 20,000, 30,000, 40,000, 50,000, uh, more longer and longer term objectives and creating the future that you want to have. And I was just curious, uh, because I know that, uh, you are a getting things done fan. If you implemented any of that approach to figuring out your personal vision, when you did the 12 week year planning, I didn't, um, I, you know, I kind of stumbled across a couple different resources. Uh, I'm, I'm familiar with that concept. Um, you know, one of the things is how far in the future do you want to focus on? And, you know, it seems like a good time range is that three to five years. It's, it's, you know, close enough that it's not 20, 30 years from now. Um, but it's close enough that you can actually, you know, feel like you can get good momentum and, and see progress on that. So I think that's important. Um, yeah, I, I just, I think the biggest thing with, with vision is like, this is, it's not easy to do. And I think a lot of people just kind of brush it off because it's not easy to do. It doesn't have to take you a full day, um, but it is like, you really got to get this kind of situational awareness of where you are in life and what you, what kind of impact you want to have and in what areas. Yeah, it's, it's really important and it really becomes the driving force of, it's really the why behind all of the things that you've decided to do. I mean, in my own personal experience, uh, I can I can maintain a, a lot of different projects as long as I know very clearly it's front of mind why I'm doing the things that I'm doing. And as soon as I get disconnected from that why, that's when the procrastination tends to come. Is like, oh, I don't really feel like doing that. Well, the reason you don't feel like doing that is because you don't have that intrinsic motivation. You've lost that vision for why you were doing this thing in, in the first place. 
So that was uh, the first first one you mentioned, uh, how to craft a vision. And then the second one we kind of talked about a, l- a little bit, but you want to explain kind of your approach to how to select your goals? Yeah, so I touched on this a little bit already. So this this book is called 8,760 uh, Hours, and that's how many hours are in a book. And this this ebook is phenomenal. It's really great. It's open source. You can download it. It doesn't cost anything. It's of course it's focused on the annual context, but it, the beginning of the book kind of goes through these. You know, I think there's like 15 different areas of life, and there's these different prompts that ask you, um, you know, how you're doing. There's like specific questions for each category, and there's these overall questions like, you know, on a scale of one to ten, how do you feel you're doing here? And you kind of can create these really kind of concise summaries and scores for each area of your life. And this is what I call situational awareness. So it's just you know how you know what areas do I have the most tension. And then I use that, you know, I looked at that to say, these are areas that I know I can't move forward on right now. I know I'm not doing great, but I'm going to tackle those later. The other ones, that's where I focus my energy on. Okay, how can I move the needle here? How can I turn this from a a two out of 10? How can I get it to a six or a seven? Um, And that's the decision-making process that drove my goals. I think you could definitely take like an intuitive approach to this, which is, you know, some people just know what their goals are. But if you're struggling, I think that that that's really a process or a system of selecting your goals that they can really help. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And then I would also add to this that you should probably write it down somewhere. And that's where the intrinsic knowing of what you're supposed to be focusing on falls short, in my opinion, is if you don't write it down. I heard somebody say one time, if you don't, if it's not written down, it doesn't exist. And from a goal setting perspective, I mean, the research backs that up. Uh, I'm probably going to mess up some some of the statistics, but uh, there was a research study done by the British Journal of Psychology, and they they took people who uh, their their goal was to go to the gym at least once a week, and they had these people who they just said, "I'm going to go to the gym once a week," uh, and then they had the people who attended the motivational lectures, maybe you know, in, in our context, maybe that's listening to the podcast, <laughs> you know. But they understood. It was presented to them very rationally why they should go to the gym. Uh, they actually followed through on their goals less than the people who just said, oh, I'm going to go to the gym once a week. But the people who were three times more likely to follow through on it are the people who wrote down on a piece of paper their goal to go to the gym once a week. And so when you're talking about vision and you're talking about planning, you can't just go by what you feel like. You have to write this stuff down. And I think that that's a big area of emphasis in the book as well. And what's great about the module that you created is you've got the the templates and the resources in there that kind of walks people through how to do this. And in fact, one of the, the, the Google doc I mentioned, or the spreadsheet I mentioned earlier, where it'll actually keep score for you, uh, that's all based off of the template that's there for identifying your objectives, identifying your weekly milestones, and then breaking that down even further into the daily habits. And the habits you mentioned, like that's really the key. Uh, we call them rituals here at Asian Efficiency. Obviously, we've got a whole product on on the importance of rituals. But like you said, the real reason why that product is an area of emphasis and rituals are so important to us are we saw the same thing you saw that the uh, the yearly resolutions that people make every January first they don't stick. You know, I'm going to go to the gym. And if you go to the gym in the month of January, it's going to be packed with all the people who made those New Year's resolutions. But by February, 90% of them are gone, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's back, back to normal. Yeah. And I think that's where this, you know, momentum and enthusiasm just ties right back to, back to vision that, 
you know, that's, that's the difference. I think you're, you're, you're totally right with, you know, writing it down. I think the interesting thing is, I guess I kind of approach this kind of scientifically and it's like vision just feels kind of fluffy to me. It just feels like, oh yeah, I don't, I don't really need that. But the reality is when you kind of think about the creation process of how, you know, you create everything first in your mind, like there's nothing that literally exists on earth that someone didn't first think of in their mind. Um, and then what's the next step? Well, you can get it out of your mind and on paper, and then you start the planning process. And then it becomes this kind of physical manifestation of what you thought of. That's why, you know, that's the the snowflake that, you know, starts the, the, the avalanche. That's the vision. And if you can stick to that, you know, read it every day, come back to it constantly, that's going to give you the motivation to get through 12 weeks and to keep, you know, kind of moving forward in your life and making momentum. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, one of the quotes I wrote down from the book is a plan between your ears is not nearly as effective as a plan on paper. <laughs> yep. So uh, how do we actually implement this? What does that paper plan look like? Let's get into some of these details. And I know that there's a couple things specifically when it comes to planning your week on your calendar that the 12-week year method would say you have to do these things. So why don't you explain some of those specifics? Yeah. So there's, so, you know, could I walk through this process again? So you've got 12 weeks, you kind of onboard with that. You've worked out what your vision is. You've figured out your goals. You've got your plan. Now the X factor is you need the time to actually work that plan. So you need to control your time. And the book kind of gets into three different areas. So you've got breakout, breakout blocks, focus blocks, and buffer blocks. So the, the breakout blocks are uh, let's go through focus blocks first, because I think this there are strategy blocks. I think you can use the two terms interchangeably are really important. So these this is time that you have on your calendar that you've set an appointment for yourself. I think you would set these appointments in your in your weekly review. Um, look for open gaps. Um, you know, look at what you need to do the next month, the time that you need to commit, and then block off time in your calendar. And this is time that you review your plan, you look at your vision, and you work on your specific items in your plan. So you kind of tune out all that kind of low value, shallow work, and you focus on the important stuff of moving things forward. So that's that's the first area, focus or strategy blocks. The next one is breakout blocks. And I actually have two breakout blocks per day. I have one in uh, kind of the late morning and one at the end of the day. And this is that all that kind of logistical work that you have to do, that's kind of low value. It's definitely not part of your 12-week plan, but it, it's a necessary part of your day you schedule that in a block. So you would do all that kind of um, triaging of email, um, conversations that need to happen. Um, you kind of confine it to a smaller part of your day that they call a breakout block. And what happens if you do that is if you can contain it, then it doesn't kind of bleed over into the other parts of your day and um, sabotage your plan. And then the third area they call is buffer blocks. And this this is uh, this is hard for me to do. I think it's probably hard, hard for you to do too, Mike. It's it's taking time in a normal workday time, taking time away to do something that's going to recharge your batteries, and that's of course key. You can't you got to avoid burnout. Again, it's more of a marathon. You don't want to just kill it for a month and then be burnt out the next one. You want to kind of pace yourself, and I think buffer blocks allow you to do that. And you know it's challenging to do, but if you can do one of these a month, I think it can make a big difference. And as you get more freedom in your life. Obviously, you get more of, you know, more successful you can be with your 12-week plan. I think there's a correlation there. You can have more of these buffer blocks. And uh, those are kind of the three, like, calendar items to think about. Like, once you're in your weekly planning, put these on paper. Because once they're on paper, then you can stick to, again, it's part of your plan. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right that I do have trouble creating space and, and time in my calendar to have fun, so to speak. 
Uh, if I were to do the wheel of life exercise, the, the lowest area for me is definitely going to be fun and recreation because I honestly enjoy the work that I do. I honestly enjoy creating this content and putting it out there and helping other people take action on their goals. But we talk a lot at Asian Efficiency about core values and uh, Asian Efficiency's number one core value is glow green. You have to become the best version of yourself so that number two, you can pull others up. And if you don't take care of yourself, ultimately you have less that you can give to other people. If you are not in a place where you have all of your stuff uh, taken care of, then you may go to help somebody, but you're constantly thinking about all those things in the back of your mind. And the other person that you're trying to help is getting frustrated because you're constantly checking your phone to see what emails are coming in because you don't have a system that you can trust. You, you leave the meeting and you both feel frustrated. You really haven't helped anybody. So very, very important. And I know that this is an area that I need to, you're right, get a little bit, <laughs> a little bit better in. Yeah. I think it's funny. Like the, these things, I mean, this isn't rocket science. These things I think are fairly common sense, but they're the things that are easy to do. And they're the things that are easy not to do. And, you know, it's just important. It's, you know, it's, it's, you know, there's not only this book, but others and, uh, you know, studying successful people, what is it that makes them successful? I mean, these are, these are the ingredients that I think that really, really help out. So yeah, buffer blocks. I think I def same here. I need to get better at that one. Yeah. And, and really a key idea to this is that we all know that we should do these, these things. We should go to the gym more often, but the, we don't follow through with it because as they put in the, the book that everything that we achieve in life happens within this context of time. And that's why the simple act of just putting these things on your calendar has made a big difference for me. And I, at least now when I don't create the time to do these things, it's because I've intentionally chosen to not include my buffer block for that day. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, putting these things on your calendar significantly increases the chances that you will follow through and execute on these things, especially the breakup blocks and the focus blocks where now you've got a meeting set aside. You know, sometimes things will come up. Uh, sometimes emergencies will happen and there's going to be things that you have to deal with. Um, I've got four boys at home, so there's <laughs> a decent chance that one of them, you know, was playing superhero, jumped out of the tree and hurt himself. We got to take him to the yard. Like that actually happens. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and at that point, <laughs> that you know, did you really don't... happen, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you, you don't, you don't get, uh, you don't get, frustrated that your plan got thrown off. You, you adjust and repair, but uh, if you put things on your calendar, then oftentimes that becomes the exception rather than the rule. And it, it, at least in my own personal experience, if you don't create the time on your calendar, you will always find something, whether it is a legitimate emergency or, or not, uh, as a justification for not following through with these things. Yeah. And I think you can pair these two with, with uh, rituals and habits as well. So for example, I've, I've found that I'm really inconsistent with focus blocks when I just would schedule them ad hoc. It's just really bad at it. I've now kind of set a ground rule for myself that from eight to 10 every day, that's my focus block. I actually use a program called Focus and nothing will open on my computer that is distracting. I, the first, and it's funny because I get up in the morning and it's just, it's just habit. I open up email, I open up Slack and they won't open. And I kind of, it kind of hits me. It's like, I think I have these things mastered and I realize that these habits are so, so strong that, you know, you still kind of fall back into them. So uh, by pairing them, I think with this, this routine, so, you know, having the same time set aside every day, the same thing with buffer blocks, I have those at the same time every day. Uh, that's helped me be successful in making sure that those actually happen. Yeah, that's a really good point because once you establish those habits, it's almost like a built-in efficiency mechanism for your body where 
you no longer have to invest as much time, attention, energy, focus. Your cognitive resources can be conserved because these things that you know you need to do on a regular basis, they're almost like on autopilot. They happen automatically and you don't even have to think about them. You have more left in the tank for the things that, that really matter. Uh, the next thing that you got here also can help with this, and that is the accountability piece. Yeah, accountability is huge. I think for for me personally, I feel I feel like this was the other thing: vision and accountability. I just I knew what it was. I knew I knew it was important, but I I thought no, this just isn't. I don't I don't need to do that. And I think what really what really kind of opened my eyes to this, there's this article in Fast Company called Change or Die, and there's this large study that they did where there was this authority figure in this situation. It was a doctor that told an individual that they needed to make a lifestyle change or that they had a high chance of dying. So think of like how motivating it is, you know, do this or die. You know, it's literally the strongest Mm -hmm. motivator known to man. And they studied this group of people and they had, after 12 months, they returned right back to their old habits. There was a 90% failure rate. And they said, well, this can't be right. Maybe we got a bad cohort. Let's do this again. They did it again. Same thing. And what they found is that there was another group that had kind of the inverse. They had an 80% success rate. And this group had a had a peer support group or accountability, if, if you will. They relied on other people to help them actually achieve their goals. And I don't I don't know about you, Mike, but I don't want to be the 90% failure rate, the statistic. Right. I think I want to look for shortcuts and cheat codes and like, you know, how do you how do you get out of that 90%? The, I think accountability is that is that secret sauce. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, it's amazing how we know exactly what we need to do to be successful, but most people still won't do it. Even when the the stakes are as high as do this and you'll live, don't do this and you'll die. Uh, just because when you are isolated, it's easy to forget those things. It's easy to disconnect from the the why and the motivation. But when you have accountability and you know that I got to meet with my mastermind group on Thursday and they're going to ask me about this thing and whether I did it or not. And I'm going to have to honestly say, well, you know, I didn't feel like it, didn't feel like it. So I watched Netflix instead. Like (laughs) (laughs) that's, that's going to create, I don't know why, I don't know why we're, we're so, so scared of, of looking foolish in front of other people. But uh, I think that the accountability in the mastermind format really like leverages that to a positive uh, through a positive perspective, and it's super, super important. Yeah, maybe we can talk about that a little bit because this is, you know, I think that's the other challenge is, okay, accountability isn't for me, and then you realize, okay, accountability is really important. How do I do this in my life? And that was one thing I was thinking about as well, you know, how do you actually do this? And what we ended up doing is so so we're in an accountability group, I'm sorry, a mastermind group together, and, you know, we're doing a lot of the typical things that a mastermind group does, and there was some level of accountability, but it was like number five on the list. And I think we mm-hmm. we talked and said, look, I think we could help each other out more than anything if we took that from number five and made it the, the most important thing, that this is really about positive accountability. And so we actually, that that Google Sheet that you mentioned that we'll link in the bottom, you know, we'll link in the show notes for this, that actually, you know, just created a column for each person. And then, you know, you can actually follow along as someone is completing their 12-week year, Um there's, you know, there's, how can you leverage tools to help people kind of stay on track? And, you know, we meet once a month, but there's ways that you can kind of check in automatically in between, whether it's using Slack or email or something like that, just little nudges to kind of make people know that you're paying attention. And I think that's, 
there's something to that. There's something to, you know, putting a vision on paper is going to make you much more likely to do that. But then sharing that vision with someone else is that really kind of brings it to, to the next level. And you're, you're, you know, makes it more tangible, more real. Um, you're, you're keeping score. Someone's kind of holding you accountable to keep score. Yeah, definitely. The, just writing things down is a huge step in the right direction, but sharing it with other people, uh, and I don't have the research studies to support this, but I know that they're out there. Like that's that to the nth degree. And what was interesting is that when we started the mastermind, I, I am speaking for you, but I don't think any of us really knew what a mastermind was supposed to look like. We just had heard about the idea. We're like, Hey, that sounds interesting. Let's do it. And then after a while, uh, like you mentioned, accountability, it tended to be like five on the list, but every single person for the most part after a while was like, you know what I really need out of this is someone who can call me out if I fail to hit this target. And so that's kind of where the greatest need was. And we kind of figured that out through trial and error. But for anybody who's kicking around the idea of a mastermind group, I'd say that's a great place to start is just get around a couple other people who are looking to do something or build something. They have the same uh, growth mindset that that you do and then just hold each other accountable. It's really simple to do that. All you have to do is identify what are the things that you are going to do that you're going to be held accountable for. And this kind of gets into the in the 12-week year, they call it lead measures versus lag measures. So maybe it's worth talking about this for a little bit where lag measures are the things, the, the, the results. So if, if you're in the area of fitness, for example, the lag measures would be, I want to lose 10 pounds. But the lead measures, and these are the habits that you're going to create when you do your 12-week year planning, is I'm going to go to the gym, I'm going to go for a run, you know, three, three days a week. Uh, and those are the things that you want to hold people accountable to, not the lag measures, which really those should take care of themselves as long as you take care of the lead measures. But those are kind of outside your control. Yeah, the the lead measures, and again, I think it, there's kind of a common thread that kind of through a lot of these topics, it's about control. If you're tracking leg measures and your leg measures to lose 20 pounds, you're not going to see the result for, of that for a long time. So if that's all that's motivating you, you know, for, forget about it. You're not going to see the, the the needle really move there. But if you track the uh, lead indicators, the ones that come before what happens happens, you have complete control over those. And I think there's something really to to that. I mean, you feel like you're in control of your plan. You've you've made these decisions on what you're going to focus on. Something really empowering about that, I think, that allows people to be successful, you know, versus, you know, tracking kind of an aspirational goal that you're not going to see the resolution of for years. Yeah, absolutely. And if you can if you can uh, achieve that mindset where you've you've broken this down, you've got your your two to three objectives, you've identified your weekly milestones, you've identified your daily habits or rituals that you're going to execute. Uh, and then those are the things that you put in your task manager, let's say, checking those things off after a while, that can become really, really satisfying. Uh, one more thing I want to, this isn't in the agenda, but I wanted to hit on, it's another one of these things that just kind of hit, you know, just, just hit you is, is that everything you need to be successful, you know, right now, that you don't have to learn more to kind of get to that next level that really the difference between you and wh what you want to be able to do is execution. And I think to, to kind of summarize this, this whole thing, it's about being intentional and deliberate on what you're going to focus on and then just diligently following the plan, you know, day after day, week after week, incremental improvements, continuous improvement. It's, you know, I think that's just, 
just key. And for me, it was really, it was really great because I love learning and I just want to keep learning and learning and learning. And, you know, I need to learn this next thing before I can do that. And it's, I think that's just a fallacy is that you just, you can do what you want to do right now. You just need to execute at, a, at an elite level. And I think it's easier than you think, especially if you follow something like the 12 week, 12 week year. Yeah, definitely. I'm glad that you called that out because that's how the book actually starts. <laughs> and I think maybe you alluded to this, but they mentioned we don't have a knowledge problem. We have an execution problem. And people will go to conferences and they'll read books and they'll collect all of this information. But if they never take action on it, it does absolutely no good. <laughs> and he says, uh, or, or they say, because there's a couple of authors for this book, uh, the secret to living your life to its potential is to value the important stuff above your own comfort. And then kind of a, along with that, they talk about how uh, a vision crisis or a passion crisis is actually a vision crisis, you know, so coming back full circle, like what, what drives those daily actions, what drives people following through on what they know that they're supposed to do is that long-term vision. Are we moving in the right direction? Am I taking action on my goals? And as long as we can see any sort of movement whatsoever in the right direction, then like you talked about, that creates the momentum that leverages the compound effect. And then before long, even in a 12 week period, you'll see massive action being taken on your goals. So yeah, yeah, great stuff. Any other parting thoughts before we go? Yeah. Just, just one more thing I just, just thought of here. So I think the other thing that's interesting too, that just kind of uh, continue on the the same thought you had there is whenever I've noticed, whenever I've been burnt out, whenever I've been incredibly discouraged, there's a couple things that tend to happen. One is you you kind of lose that vision, and the other one is you kind of lose this perspective of like where you are. You do, you know it feels like you're you're trying to hit this this goal and this destination, but you just sometimes you just lose perspective on if you're moving the ball forward, so to speak. And I think that's one of the really great things about this is that it's a measurement um, kind of system. It's a, you're keeping score. That should never happen. You should never be like, you know, I'm not really driving things forward on my vision or goals. You should know exactly how you're doing. And I, I think that can really help you keep that momentum, which is is critical in, in moving things forward. Yeah, definitely. Keeping score is really important and also is a big key to the accountability piece. Uh, like we talked about, you really can't you really can't have accountability if you don't know if you haven't defined what success is. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I think you could just pair if you're, if you've never done a mastermind group before, get a couple peers together, go through the 12 week year together, you know, or do, or do, or better yet, do the module or both of them together. I think it's a great, I think the two work together really, really well. Definitely. So thanks for joining us, Brandon. Uh, where can people go to connect with you? Yeah. So the best place to get in hold of me is going to be Twitter. I am at Brandon Wetland. Uh, I'm not as active as I used to be. I, I watched this uh, TED talk from Cal Newport about a year ago on why you should quit social media. I'm there. You can get a hold of me. I'm just not there that much. But if you want to get a hold of me, <laughs> that's the best way to get, get, get in touch with me. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. Uh, and as I mentioned at the beginning, this episode was actually inspired by the awesome video module that Brandon created on the 12-week year in the dojo. There's a lot more to this topic and the tools that Brandon provided with the module are top notch. So if you really want to dive deep on this topic, you'll definitely want to check out the dojo. And as a listener of the podcast, we've got a special offer just for you. The dojo is actually currently closed to the public, but if you go to the productivityshow.com slash dojo, you can not only get access to the private training library, which includes a 12 week year module and all of the resources, but 
Also, all of the other exclusive video courses on topics ranging from project management to deep work to minimalism. You'll also get access to the forums where other Dojo members are sharing what they're wor- what's working for them. And there's a whole section where people hold each other accountable for their 12-week year goals. You also get access to the private Slack team where you get direct access to the Asian efficiency team. And you get all of that for just $1 for your first month. And then after that, it's just $29 a month and you can cancel at any time. With membership to the Dojo, you also get exclusive software discounts on some of our favorite productivity apps like BusyCal, Hazel, and Text Expander. So if you want to join a community that can help you achieve your personal and professional goals, you can join the Dojo today by going to productivityshow.com slash dojo. And again, that URL is productivityshow.com slash dojo. You can also find links to everything that we discussed today in the show notes by going to productivityshow.com slash 138. So thanks for joining us and we'll see you next Productive Monday. <laughs>